so there's the S is silent in his name. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, we should probably like look up how to pronounce people's <laughs> names before we start recording a podcast. Probably. Also, it's litmus test. Litmus test. Litmus test. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. I'm. I'm. I'm actually like. I'm. I'm excited for every every of the names that that he's about to get to. I, I also don't think that John knows what the name of the the inhabitants of Dune are called. He just calls them the locals, and I'm. I'm like. I, I don't think he knows what they're called. What do you want to do? You wanna... John, do you know what the the people that live on Arrakis are called? Tell me. Do, but, but you watched the movie. I right? watched the movie. I completely forgot on that one because I'm on the spot right now. The <laughs> They're called Fremen. Fremen. Literally free men. You got a friend named Fremen. I do have a friend named Fremen. And you forgot the Fremen. <laughs> Welcome to John's Mostly Movie Podcast. Joining me today, got Nick Edwards. Hello. And of course, producer James. Hello. Haven't talked to you guys in a while. What have you guys been up to? I just watched Shang-Chi. Yeah, me too, dude. Me too. So good. So, so what'd you think? It was great. I, I, I want more. James, what was the last thing you watched? Been watching a lot of stuff recently, but... Uh... I think night before last uh watched paranormal activity three. Ooh, wait yes that's is that that's the one where it goes back right yes it's the one that takes place in i think the mid 90s uh tells the story of the sisters from the first two as they were children and fills in a, a few gaps thoughts because i have like a opinion on that one it seems like a one tofu movie oh I, I am fascinated by the Paranormal Activity series in the economy of storytelling that they can get off with. Like the understanding the super low budgets that are involved in making these movies. And like there, there was a, a, a number of sequences in this movie where literally a camera was, was strapped to an oscillating fan. Yes. And the tension came from the camera is moving between the kitchen and the dining room. And for long stretches in the movie, nothing happened. And <laughs> it's a tone piece about how still everything is. And then when something moves, it's scary. It's kind of but... how I feel about Dune. <laughs> <laughs> but like appreciating, even with uh, as little happening on screen as there is... I am still feeling this building anxiety inside of me as the camera very slowly is panning back to the the babysitter sitting at the kitchen table. And I know that there is something coming towards her and I don't know what it is. And I don't know if I should be scared for her well-being or if it's just going to be something like spooks her I, or she doesn't see anything like it's it's it was uh, an effective movie, if not a uh terrific movie i'm so glad you mentioned that scene because that scene is the one that always sticks with me and i love it because it's like you said it's simply that it's takes its time to build that tension going back going for uh that's the one that yeah nick that's to me paranormal activity three i do give it like a solid three tofu one i like it i like it a lot better than the second one um because i think that it the second one kind of builds off the first one and does a little more this one, I feel, does try to get its own unique scares and anxiety building. Um, that's awesome. I um, I just finished. Did you all ever watch? I'm a little late to the game on this one. It's a mini series on Netflix called Bodyguard with uh, Richard Madden, uh, no. a.k.a. Rob Stark, the King of the North. Yeah, I've seen it. Um, I, I, when I was just down visiting family, my aunt threw it on, and I came into the living room maybe like five minutes into it, and I was just hooked. And it's about a um, personal protection officer 
uh, Richard Madden, who's assigned to the Home Secretary uh, of, I guess, Britain, and to protect her. Uh, he recently foiled a plan for a terrorist act. And so, you know, that's why they're like, okay, let's let's put him up. Which we see. That's the beginning of the show. It, 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 it's badass. Yeah, it's a badass scene. But I don't want to give anything away because it's a, such a strong opening. And it, for me, it, it just sucked me right in. I was like, holy shit. Um, and my aunt the whole time is just in love with Richard Madden. She loves him. But it's it's a really good, in in my opinion, it's really good to watch. It's six episodes, easy to burn through because they, like, not purposely set up a cliffhanger like most episodes would to, like, get you there. But it just seems like it's perfectly left off at the right moment. It's not a cliche cliffhanger. It's one that's sometimes expected, but you're okay with it. Sometimes it's completely not. I highly recommend it. It came out in, I want to say, 2018. There's word that they will be doing a season two, but it is its own, from what I can tell, standalone. So it isn't something where you got you're gonna want to like, oh, I'll just wait for season two and then binge it. Does seem like it's its own stand. If they do a season two, it'll be a anthology type. Um, yeah, that's uh, what I just went through. We um, we actually burned through four episodes yesterday. Did you finish it? Yeah. We, oh, yeah. We finished it. Uh, yeah, because I, I think the the twist at the end is hacky and unnecessary I, but i fi- i had a feeling i kn- you hate endings man you're like don't ever end this movie just do that endings are hard give me the climax roll to credits executive producer jerry orbach or something or whatever that person is that dick wolf mm, yes nick wolf <laughs> dick wolf jerry orbach yes yeah. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to start his production career this late in the game. Yeah. Because he's dead. Uh, spoiler alert, if you didn't know, uh, yeah, Jerry Orbach has passed. Spoilers for real life. Spoilers for real life. But, spoilers for fake life, we're about to talk about Dune, the 2021 film directed by Denis Villanueva. Um, and actually, uh, and there, well, spoiler alert on that, because I will give you, uh, if you haven't listened or if you haven't watched Dune on HBO Max or in theaters, this is your spoiler warning. Um, pause the pod, go watch it and then return to us. Welcome back. I hope you are ready to talk about Dune. Hope you got some popcorn in your system when you're watching it. Got a little soft drink. Uh, so we're going to talk about Dune Part 1. That, James, I think both you and I, when we were watching it, had a comment on. When we like turned it on, it's like Dune, and then it was like Part 1. And it's like, oh. The, so I, I watched it uh, when it came out, and then also this morning with a cup of coffee and my iPad out taking notes. And my first note is uh, we're three minutes into this movie before I find out it is part one. Like, there's there's some, some solid narration and montage uh, getting me involved before the title of the movie is revealed and I find out it is not just Dune, as all of the posters and marketing material has led me to believe this is another adaptation of Dune. Surprise, now that you're in it, uh, this is the first part. My dad didn't know that Fellowship of the Ring was uh, one of three when we watched it in theaters and he was so pissed at the end of the first movie that they didn't throw the ring. It's like, what the fuck is this? Did you got boats? What the shit? So now those two little guys are just going to have to walk to the volcano themselves. Is it? That's it. It's up for interpretation. This is the ending. Fuck this movie. That's funny. Real quick. Like we can, or not even. Yeah. Nothing about this movie is real quick. Nothing about this movie was real quick. Um, what I had a thought, and I wanted to get y'all's uh, like take on this thought. I was just thinking about it, and I'm like, is this movie Dune for like people who like sci-fi, like storytelling? Is it a litmus test for how they like sci-fi storytelling? Because if I'm looking at it with the expectation of I'm gonna go see Dune, this movie fucking sucked because this movie 
is, in my opinion, just a shit ton of exposition. And some of the characters who were cast as like high profile like actors that we'd want to be invested in, I didn't even really get too invested in. It, it was har- harder. Like, for example, Duncan and Jason Momoa. I feel like that was supposed to be a deeper investment for me for when he dies, but I, I could have cared less. I might be heartless as well. What was what was y'all's thoughts on the movie? Uh, on that same token, um, I did hate every time he said "my boy." It just sounds so unnatural coming out of Jason Momoa. You needed my man. Hey there, my boy. I just I, I can't. It, it didn't. Yeah, like he should be saying like "hey, my dude" or, or whatever. I don't know. Just yeah, but just it didn't it didn't come out right. He doesn't have that kind of uncle paternal instinct to pull that off i don't think see i viewed his performance as like weirdly authentic in that the the scene where they're reunited uh on arrakis jason momoa goes into like a, a crouch walk that i have seen him do on the red carpet sneaking up behind henry cavill to give him a big bear hug bear hug like that's that's a meme format and he he breaks into that in his excitement to to run up to and give paul a hug and that's it, it added that little bit of like, oh, this is a thing that I've seen the actual actor do in a real world situation where he was excited to see somebody and wanted to, to get over to him. Yeah, so I, I was starting with, he didn't sell me, and then I later got sold. Oh, okay. Interesting. See, I, I was sold, but I wasn't like, I just, mind you. I haven't read the source material, so I don't know how prominent of a character Duncan is, if that is all it is, like, they gave it all. Uh, But, like, I enjoyed Jason Momoa when he was there. I just, like, I felt that I was supposed to feel very sad that Duncan died, and I was just more like, ah, Jason Momoa died. Like, if that makes sense. Like, I was more invested in that it was Jason Momoa rather than it was this character, Duncan, who's supposed to be, like, a fun like like bigger older brother type but not really of timothy Chalamont's character um like for example when it's oscar isaac jason momoa and javier bardem at the table and jason momoa is essentially being the translator because he spent time with the locals i love that especially when javier bardem spits and he's like thank you yes water is completely rare and you are willing to give us your moisture there we go. And he's like, wait, and I honestly need a prequel of just Jason Momoa learning all this with the locals, everything from him almost dying to then being accepted, learning all the things. Um, I hate that his name is Idaho. I love it. You hate what? I hate that his name is Idaho and that our hero's name is Paul. Give him weird sci-fi names. I'm fine with that. I will say though, uh, because it's Dennis Villanueva. Denny. Is it Denny? Denny. Villeneuve? So you pronounce it in French. He does world building very well, as evident in Blade Runner 2049. Like, just to be able, it's specifically with that franchise, take an iconic movie, build on it. And I don't th- with like diehard fans from Blade Runner, like that I know, I don't think I've ever heard heard them like badmouth that and that's hard especially because blade runner like that's a classic in the sci-fi noir genre and so i knew that as soon as they said part one i'm like we're gonna get a shit ton of exposition world building and that's fine it's just they and i understand why they did not advertise that at all also whoever has zendaya's uh, agent's number please send it to me because i need that yeah her cameos uh advertised as a co-bill i'm just like rebecca ferguson got fucked on the marketing man because i would yeah because she really was the the prominent lead actress but yet it was all zendaya and it's like like you're you feel you maybe probably did two days of shooting i think she said she was on set for five damn I've, I've listened to a, a number of interviews that the cast did. Uh, Javier Bourdain said that he was there for a month. <laughs> Doing what? Hanging out? He was great. I, I loved Javier Bourdain. Oh, same. And my, my, Josh Brolin's probably my favorite part 
as far as an individual actor. Yeah, but like uh, half of these we're not getting. I mean, I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of Zendaya in part two. I'm assuming her character is huge in that, along with uh, Stellan Sarsgaard, who Jabba the Hutt I didn't realize was in this. Um, his makeup job was awesome. Like, shout out to the makeup crew for him because he just grossed me the fuck out and was very eerie and everything to that. Yes, he just looked like a fat guy. Disgusting. I wouldn't say it was just that. There was <laughs> there was something else there. Yeah. Also, as a small tangent, I, as a fat guy, I wish... Hollywood would just get fat actors and not make up up Stellan Skarsgård and Colin Farrell and Jared Leto. There, there was a fat guy who could have done that. But instead, you would rather pay a makeup guy. I mean, careful with Jared Leto because he gains that weight. That's the that's the thing. Not in the Gucci movie. Oh well, no. But like, there's been. Uh, I mean, Matt Damon yeah, gained he, all his weight for to, the informant. To play Mark David Chapman, he gained like. I don't know, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. I guess it's Christian Bale for Vice. You write him as a, a fat joker, and he's going method. He's gaining that weight. Because that's, that's the role that he does, like, serious. All the other ones, he's, he's acting. Joker, though, that's, that's, his, that's his artistic core. Probably got to hurt that uh, two of the last three Jokers have uh, gotten critical acclaim and won awards for it. And then there's Jared Leto. I didn't realize, are y'all Jared Leto? I didn't, oh, y'all got silent on me. Is it, am I, are y'all secretly a part of the Jared Leto fan club? 30 Seconds to Mars? Or, I, I'm sorry. Please, it's a cult. <laughs> it's of my opinion that uh, Leto's a talented guy in in general and I, I think that he could have done more with that character that i and f of what we've seen with him he just didn't get enough to do for me to have a solid opinion on whether or not i liked him or disliked him enough to have a, a strong opinion yeah um, he was mostly misserved by the material agree and the studio and the grill yeah and the face tats on the face tats. There were a lot of decisions. The la I, I enjoyed the laugh, though. The laugh was pretty good. Absolutely. That's why I said, like, there, there are bits in there to like, but uh, the overall... Why are we talking about uh, Jared Leto's joke? Stellan Sarsgaard got us. Nick had to get on the rant. Okay. Yes. I, I agree with your point, Nick. But yes, representation for all body types. Uh, you know, it's the same that, you know, Hollywood's just asking for... Yeah, just for or not even Hollywood. They're asked. People are asking Hollywood for proper representation in all aspects of a character, whether it be race, gender, uh, sexual orientation, but also body type is one. Chloe and I watched Scott Pilgrim versus the World a couple nights ago, and the party scene at which Scott meets Ramona. I found myself distracted by the fact that this was a party with all of the most attractive people in. <laughs> was it Toronto? Like, yeah, that's that's some very specific casting that literally drew me out of the moment. <laughs> why, why, why is everyone a model? Yeah, they're trying to showcase how humdrum that Scott is specifically. Also, Scott is terrible. He is terrible. Yeah, he's a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason that she would be interested in him. Yeah, I didn't realize that. The whole thing is about him, like, learning that he's a shit heel and he needs to learn how to be real, a genuine person. And so reading the books, I was like, man, this guy's he, he's just so bad, I can't even finish it. So, like, and, but with, knowing in the, going into it with the knowledge that it's about his redemption, I would feel a little more comfortable about it. But I didn't know that. I was like, oh, it's just about this guy having a good venture. And when he sucks, <laughs> no thanks. If I may, back to Dune. Back to Dune. For you all, what aspect of this movie did you enjoy the most? 
It's got to be the exposition. <laughs> While y'all think of that, I can give mine. I have to go just easily visual. It was visually a gorgeous movie, it, the way it was put together. Um, and there's an interview, I believe, on... I'll try to find it, but I want to say it's Vanity Fair, uh, of them talking about filming, like how they film the practical effects and everything to that. And it's it's one of those films, because everything I'd heard from the Lynch movie was it was just too, outside of him not getting final cut because of the studio, it was just too early in the process of technology f- to really capture and show what you want out of the book, uh, what people had in their imaginations and what was possible at the time. And this one, it f- feels like this is what people were imagining what it looked like everything to that um that for me is like i stood out the most outside of also uh parts of the script with specifically when oscar isaac is or duke leto atreides is talking to uh nick's favorite character paul um i know it feels weird for me to say duke leto atreides talking to then paul i get it um but when he's just talking to him, telling him about leadership, how, you know, maybe it'll come to him and he'll step up and he will be that. But if he doesn't, he's still extremely proud of him just because of who he's turning into, who he's being. And it's such a, I mean, me and Becky were even commenting on it. It's such a beautiful moment because in those moments, I feel in other sci-fi or other stories, you have the father that's like, you will take over for me. You will live up to my name. And if you don't, I think you're a failure. There's something wrong with you. And it's refreshing to see him realize or just know and not even question like, I believe this is for you. But if it turns out not to be, that is okay as well. And I love you regardless. Um, very supportive fathers. We don't have many in sci-fi as far as when they're royalty. Um, but that for me, I would say the dialogue in the script was very surprising to me. I really enjoyed that. And I knew the visual effects would be great. And I think I regret not being able to see this in IMAX, but those would be what stands out. Can I make one quick, uh, observation about the, the scene that you just pointed out, uh, the conversation between. Absolutely. The, the first time that I, I watched the movie, it, whizzed right past me but on a second viewing when he's describing desert power and that's what they they need to harness on arrakis the line that he uses is we've i wrote it down we have ruled caladan with air power and sea power which at first i just like my brain received that as oh we have a navy and an air force but like that's a desert. We need to figure out how to fight there. Uh, but the phrasing of we ruled with, now suddenly I find myself curious about what the non-royal family on this planet are, are living like. Like, mm-hmm. we, we know that he has a different plan for how to deal with the Fremen than House Harkonnen has, but we don't know, like how happily the residents of Caladan are living their lives under House Atreides. Like, they're the good guys because they're the protagonist of this story, but also we have no context for what... Well, I mean, we... The Emperor's setting him up because he's gaining popularity. This is true. This is true. Whatever... However cruel or not cruel he is, it's better than what the Emperor's got going on. This is fair. If it is a lesser of the two evils, he is the lesser of that. I, I get it, though, because we don't know if it's the lesser of the two evils or if it's like we the people are happy yeah. that they, they do rule with some form of equality to all in their eyes. And I was interpreting water and air power as like wind turbines. That's what like, I thought. Like, I thought uh, for air, at least, I thought the wind turbines is like as far as like actual power. Hydroelectric Okay, I, I had read that as a, a military power in the way that the Fremen being able to fight in a, a desert environment was desert power. But 
given that the desert but is... now i'm looking at it that way it can be though yeah, yeah we, i mean with my interpretation i was like how does this make sense <laughs> when he's like desert power no but i like that of it is as a military because he does have a military mind into that and as a like a you know the leader to that it makes sense that he yeah that he would be able to be one where he's able to harness the right power resources from whatever planet that the emperor decides to have him on Given that the Emperor has uh, an army that has a, a whole like ritual process of draining blood from people to, to give them like marks of blood on their foreheads before they go into righteous battle to slay whoever the Emperor says should die, yeah, I, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable saying uh, Duke Leto was... Uh, at least the lesser of two evils, and probably a pretty chill guy. I I don't mean to speak ill of the dead. Yeah, of course. I don't. I I, don't, I would I would gladly grab a cup of blue milk with this dude. Wrong wrong universe. Speaking of, oh damn. Uh, this movie reminded me of so many others because Star Wars and it's the biggest one. Countless other stories from the writing of Dune have taken from it. And a lot of it felt very familiar to me already. And not having read or been familiar with Dune before, a lot of the times I just felt like I'd rather watch Danny and maybe do a Star Wars or do another Blade Runner because a lot of the visuals were like, Hey, this is just like Blade Runner. And I, I'm already interested in that universe. And I do like content I've never seen before, but I wasn't sold on, on this original concept yet, but Paul as a character and Chalamet didn't sell me enough. I I'm more interested in what they were insinuating was happening that the Bene Jesuit working as a shadow government, they're the one making the political decisions. And thanks to Game of Thrones, I'm interested in these house politics. So I want to know about other houses. I want to know how they got in charge. How they like, interact with each other too. Yeah, and the desert as a whole hasn't sold me specifically. And seeing as this movie's about Arrakis, I think that's I wish I was more invested in the current story they're about to tell, but I'm more interested in the stories that they could have told in the same universe so far. But, you know, give me more Zendaya. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I agree with you. Um, and that's actually bringing to point of things that I disliked about the movie. But, like, I this movie, from what I've read when they when it got greenlit it was not greenlit yet for a sequel they wrote it as is and they're like okay we're gonna go in and when it releases we're gonna hope and pray that people love it and we'll get another sequel i think it was also i don't know if it got another sequel because it people were like in love with it i think it did well from what i'm seeing from a box office standpoint and you know others but i think they kind of forced people's hands to be like i gotta see more because for me i was not satisfied that's why i said like i i don't my mom has very str- – I'm going to put a correlation. My mom has very strong feelings about The Last Jedi because she feels like it's one of those movies that nothing fucking happens. Um, and that is how I feel with this movie because it's it, – to me, this feels like Star Wars A New Hope if Star Wars A New Hope ended when they got into the Millennium Falcon and headed towards the Death Star. Like that's what this feels like. It feels like – part it doesn't feel like it was part one like this is 50 percent. it feels like this is 25 percent, and then part two is going to be 75 percent of the story um of like the actual like what's happening because i do not feel like we got to a climax because i know like the climax was supposed to be them escaping the attack and the setup and then um you know oscar isaac's character getting caught ultimately trying to kill um what's the What's the guy's name? Baron uh, Vladimir Harkonnen. Um, and doesn't because he just slithers up onto on the wall. Yeah, uh, there, was, there was no Death Star. There was no Balrog. Yeah. It was it, like I enjoyed 
what I saw, but it was not enough for me to be like, God, I can't wait. Like, I'm not like, I can't wait for Dune Part 2. I'm just like, I, I got to watch Dune Part 2 because like, fuck, man, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, did nothing happen. So I, I see the fight at the end in which he is brought into the Fremen and made one of their tribe. Like, that is the the... He is told early in the movie that he has two birthrights, and we see him trying to live up to one of them, and then that being struck away from him, and, and all the the support structure in place that gives the name uh, shit. Now I just blanked on his last name, Atreides. Uh, all of the the people chanting Atreides that makes the name Atreides powerful, they're all dead now. So. It's now he's he's gone fully into well the other birthright that I have is is these people's messiah so I'm I'm bought in fully and that like the the visions that he had of being stabbed and dying I read as his the Paul per, part of his persona dying off the son of the duke the son of the duke dying so that he could rise up as the I uh, am blanking on the name that they have for him, but yeah, it's a cool name though. Right? I really like that. I agree with you that that would be so. That there sounds like a climax. Yeah. I also I am the one person on this podcast I should say huh. that is familiar with huh. Dune outside of this movie. And and this is great. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I as far as exposition goes, we got a lot of it. But I wanted more. I wanted a better handle on the interpretation of the dreams myself. I mean, I I, um, I assumed that he also didn't fully understand what uh, what they meant. Uh, the the specific line that I kept coming back to every time that he had a dream uh, or a vision was the the high priestess asking him if he dreams things that happen exactly as he dreamed them. Like, they, they happen in real life. And he's just not exactly. Not exactly, because it's not, like, a vision of the future. It's something that is tangentially tied into things that will happen. He'll he'll get in a knife fight with a Fremen, but it's not Zendaya, and he's not going to end up being stabbed, but he is going to make a transition like unto death, if that makes sense. Visual tarot cards. So... This is from hearing what you're saying, James, and everything to that. So this is what I would say, or is the stakes and all that were high, were there within the world. I don't think I felt them as much because that makes complete sense. Not like in the sense I love that, and I agree. Now that I'm like looking back, like that's what they were trying to sell. I just don't know if it was a hard enough sell to it. I'm interested. Here's the thing about it. All the exposition they did was fantastic, and I'm interested. I'm interested, like Nick said, in the house. I'm interested in uh, Atreides and how they interact with all that. I'm interested in um, the fucking Stellan Sarsgaard's um, and uh, Dave Bautista, uh, just Vladimir and Beast. I know that. Uh, them and that whole. But it's like they were like, okay, I got this cool story to tell you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I'm like, okay, and then what? And they're like, what do you mean? That's it. You're good. And I was like, what do you mean that's it? Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking into the Wikipedia for this stuff, and uh, Paul's got a sister who's supposedly back in Caladan, thanks to Game of Thrones. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen to the house? What's happening here? I believe that sister is the one that she is pregnant with. Oh. They have the sister yet. That's, that's a thing. Knowing, knowing where don't, where, what part two is going. Well, oh, the, and yeah, and you're you're probably right. And the the Wikipedia did not specify how far into the series that this would be happening. Also, the thing to keep in mind with this uh, series is that there are like a dozen books that flesh out so much yeah. of this world and history. And, and uh, Paul's son has his own adventure. Like, it, it, well, presumably there's a steward on Caladan, at least. I assume, hopefully. And I want to know what's happening there. Uh, I want to know how far back them laying the foundation in this philosophy for their chosen one goes and how these psychic nuns were able to lay those foundations with these desert people that far along. And 
like how what how, what kind of foresight do you see to where you're able to lay the foundations for a messiah you're making up and then i would prefer a reveal where paul doesn't know that there's a manufactured messiah that he because he's immediately wise to the fact like this is a, this is something you planted you and your people i would have preferred him be like this is made up there's not a real thing it just that's because i've already seen things where that happens you know that things that have already been based on that, that have taken from dune and used it so it's i don't know I, james can i ask you a question yes uh, familiar with Dune source material outside of just this movie? Uh, do, you, have you, I know you watched Lynch's film. Did you read Dune? I have not read the book. Okay. I, I've seen the, um, but, the Lynch film, but you've like gone through and like yeah. and, and consumed a lot of material about Dune also. So where this movie leaves off, it to me, my gut tells me we have a big jam-packed part two because it's not a trilogy because i would understand if it was a trilogy but no it's just two movies like is it is there still like a chunk of this movie that or a chunk of this story that is being left out not just like a cliffhanger like oh equally like dune part two is just going to be like that like it feels like there's a lot my understanding this is pretty much exactly halfway through book one wow that was what i was going to answer yeah Okay, so then that makes sense because I would say halfway through a book, you're going to get the most exposition and then you're going to put that exposition and all that into play. Like, okay, here are the characters. You got them all. Boom, 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 boom. You know, you care about Paul. You care about Fremen and uh, the Fremen and everything to that. Go. My recollection of the last half of David Lynch's 1984 adaptation of Dune uh, was there was uh, the big action push, uh, another big battle and more people explaining what was happening elsewhere and the, the political machinations that led to this. Uh, it should also be said, though, that David Lynch's movie was so different in structure that the first, like, five minutes is the princess that we hear mentioned as maybe Paul can go marry her and become emperor, uh, talking uh, to the audience to explain the geopolitics of this world and then a scene between the Spacing Guild and a number of their representatives and the Emperor, in which the Emperor explains that he has set a trap and he is moving pieces around so as to try to wipe out House Atreides because they are threatening. And the the just total departure from that, like, showing, not telling that this movie does, uh, I, I assume that information will be conveyed in a way different than the the Lynch adaptation ended. But I don't know exactly what that's going to look like because I haven't read the book that this is an adaptation of. So I don't know how many liberties Lynch took uh, in the last half. That was a long ramble. I'm probably going to cut some of that out. I love it. That's good. Um, Can we... Mine was worse. <laughs> I was gonna say can we put in kyle mclaughlin and swap him out into this movie nothing against timothy chalamet i've never seen anything with him before so but i don't know i i I didn't care for him the costuming in this movie was was so i enjoyed it Nick has given me a look like he is disappointed, but the you're disappointed in the costume. The formal ceremony when the ship opened up and a bunch of Daft Punks came out, and <laughs> that was the Imperial Council here to observe the the royal seal being pressed into this agreement to take over a planet. Like I I loved every like that was great. The the shots of Leto uh, standing trying to look serious and and do his Duke thing. And you see him looking out to this crowd and then the camera pans to the crowd of people and it's just a bunch of destiny warlocks. Like it was great and I loved it. And, and I'm so like, as you mentioned before, I too am a destiny. Warlock. I am so interested in these, these beings and 
they they keep referring to people as human like i assume that there are also and i know from from the uh lynch adaptation that there are non-human beings out there that people are interacting with so like there there is a much wider world that is hinted at in this and who knows if this will end up spawning a, a fleshed out universe or it's just a two-part thing and, and we get what we get and we don't get upset but i'm upset that i'm just in a world where i interact with only humans like there's these worlds out there and universes where they get to interact with all different species we just get humans you, you got a dog we all suck i mean i got a dog that's true i interact with tofu all the time i don't, I don't like the uh recycle suits it's just a lot of them. the recycle you, suits you didn't like the still suits yeah I, I liked it. Also, but I would never want to drink, like, my um, sanitized and recycled sweat. You gotta. Oh, NP. I mean, NP. I know I have to. NP. But it, it just, I mean, obviously, the, the, the function I enjoy. But the just, I don't know. They're, they're, like, they're like Batman suit before he gets any accoutrement. What are you talking about? They're covered in knives and sashes. Pouches of things. They're all, it all looks like just more suits. I also they, love, like, if you put that suit on on your own. Without any help, you're the Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, what? Um, yeah, just, I wish, just wish the Tuscan Raiders would dress me. <laughs> um, what expectations do you, you all have for Dune Part 2? Because we it has, sure like, it has been confirmed that we will get... It's all I've been talking about. It's all the, Those are all your expectations. You need the Tuscan Raiders suits. So Nick wants to fire the costume director. Just make it Star Wars. Dune Part 2, The Empire Strikes Back. Really, I'm like, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Blade Runner is the combination here. I just need more Zendaya, just because I... She's gonna be in the next movie, John, I promise. I'm just... What did we call it with our um, nitpicky fanboy bullshit? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so we have one from Nick, which is Paul, the name Paul. It's not sci-fi enough. And the last name Idaho for Duncan. They're, they're, if you're going to pick a state, they're even better sounding states. Nick, can I, can I tell you a thing about the word Idaho that might change how you feel about this character being named Duncan Idaho? Ooh. Look, it, it's, <laughs> the, the the connotation for potatoes is is too hard. The, the the whatever real aspect you give me, you can tell me of, of the name will inform my decision, but it won't change it. So this this movie, and and the book and and all of it takes place in our distant distant future, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the year given at the beginning of the movie is ten thousand one ninety one, and that that measurement of time is starting from when the spacing guild began which is the guild of navigators that are able to move between uh do like uh, faster than light travel and are the way that people get around the universe so not even knowing how many thousands of years from our current to then point is that like a long time has passed and people like names and things have changed the actual origin of the word idaho was that when uh, congress was debating uh, admitting this uh, state to the union and what it should be called one of the congress people suggested the name saying that it was a native american uh, term for gem of the mountain or mountains something like that Um, after congress approved this name it was then found out that that is not actually any sort of Native American word. It was made up by the white man who decided to... We'll give it a Native American sounding name. Without actually with, crediting. Without actu- it's not actually anything of yeah. their culture that we are even appropriating. It's something made up to sound like what we think their words sound like. But then the idea to me that over the eons since that word was made up in 1860 
that has actually become a family name of some sort that there is actual lineage to and and they may not even know that origin story for where that name came from in in the way that my last name is richardson and i assume somewhere in england hundreds of years ago someone was named richard and then that person had a son and that's how names happened back then uh yeah that is a weird like hop skip and a jump from uh where it started to where it ends up at least 10,000 years in the future. I thought. If, if you're not swayed or interested, that's okay, too. I am very interested. I just now feel bad for Duncan and his family name. I'm very curious as to who was the first family. They were like, Idaho, that's us. Before we go to our, our tofu ratings of Dune, for you... How did this compare to Lynch's film? It, I'll say I think I enjoyed this one more because knowing the story that it is telling, it allows room to breathe for each of the scenes that happen and a like spreading out of the the building threat that is coming in a way that, as I described before, the, the opening minutes of... 1984's Dune was just an info dump of I'm going to tell you the story that is going to unfold so that you understand because this is an adaptation of a book that people have been calling unadaptable uh, since it was written so I'm going to give you the pitch and then we're going to watch scenes of these things uh, unfolding whereas this one introduced you to the characters and then presented the danger that was mounting as you find out that everyone else in this political system is jockeying to get them killed and then succeeds. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy Lynch's Dune as its own weird artifact. Like, I wish that... I like that you say that word. I wish that there were more movies in that series... But also, uh, being a fan of uh, Denis Villeneuve, or however we're pronouncing his name, uh, from Arrival and Blade Runner, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, uh, the high concept sci fi mixed with stunning visuals. Uh, I, I am frustrated with the last like vision that he sees of the big battle in which a cg fight happens and then a visor opens up and it's a cg timothy chalamet or or green screened into the armor like looks a little iron man one ish uh in a not great way like aside from that though uh, i i thoroughly enjoyed it i like both of these movies for different reasons Partly, I enjoy the David Lynch one because it's weird, because David Lynch makes weird movies and TV shows. That's that's, That's his M.O. Yeah, they they hired the man that made Eraserhead and said, we want you to make a Star Wars (laughs) for us. And he did it. I mean, not well, but he made a big, like, what was possible in 1984, the year after uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, That was... I have the pronunciation. Ah. Denis Villeneuve. James had it pretty much. Denis Villeneuve. 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 All right. Tofu rating for Dune Part 1. Uh, I, I know, of, like, I've had... Are, are you all ready? Is there any, is there any more? No, I'm ready. Do you, you want you ready for tofu? Oh, you're looking at me like, what are you going to give I'm, I'm bracing myself for what you guys are going to say. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this movie because regardless of my like what I want from the story, I I'm, the jury's still out. I still have more of the story to consume, and I'm interested in it. it. If its goal was to give me the exposition that I need to get invested into the world, it did that. As far as an investment into the characters, that's where I feel like it felt a little short. Um, so I'm gonna give it a solid three tofus. 
Um, that's going to be mine because regard I can't disregard visually that it is amazing and that, like you said, this is coming from a book that people said was unadaptable and it was put on screen very well. Like the little nitpicks of the character that can maybe be adjusted with dialogue and, you know, maybe a couple more. Or who, and he, I believe, has already said that he has a director's cut or like extended version. So there might be even more scenes that we'll get. Interesting. Um, but I'm going to give it a solid three tofu. Yeah. Also, my friend Natalie's. If she, I don't, I don't know if she listens to the. She'll listen to the pod. If you're listening to the pod, Natalie, text me and say that I'm a jerk for not saying that you listen to it. But uh, we did not talk enough about Timothy Chalamet, uh, and that's okay. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, who wants to go next on your tofu rating? The movie itself filled me with awe. It was also overwhelming, like the desert itself and while i had my own expectations going in and i was able to enjoy and take away it enough and what it did the most was keep my interest to the point where i am still wanting to see what happens uh i, I too give it a solid three tofus three tofus okay that was that was better than i was expecting I was bracing Producer myself James. for some twos. I, I don't know. You guys, you guys <laughs> seemed real down on it earlier. If you walk without rhythm, you won't attract the worm. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say a solid four. I was going to give it a four and a half, but the more that I think about it, the fact that I learned that it was a part one three minutes into the movie it does does still like does a weird uh juke on what my expectations were and yeah well they they heard about my dad and they didn't want to piss him off so they let him know they're beginning the movie he'll he'll, he'll get over it but yeah i feel like if they'd maybe put it on a, a poster or in a trailer that would have been even better you know what i think you're right i just don't understand why they didn't want to anyhow uh yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah, can we get some spice? Um, I, I got some paprika. I think that'll work. Paprika must flow. I I just will the paprika help us with interdimensional travel? I don't want to be the one that does that. Now, uh, I I have heard reports on the internet that like there's a threshold of ground nutmeg that like actually will do something to your brain. Pumpkin spice must flow. <laughs> I don't think it'll let you fold space-time, though. That's... We don't have that here. It's just all I want. That's a different uh, hallucinogen. All right, that's going to do it for today at John's Mostly Movie Podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Please leave us a review and rate us. Let us know how we're doing. If you could also, please share it out to your friends. If you have any comments, any concerns, you can send us an email at emails at johnsmostlymoviepodcast.com. Or if you want to use your voice, you can call in and leave a voicemail at 8168-MOSTLY. I'm the director of Dune. My name is Denis Villeneuve.